I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Hello, everybody. Hope you had a great Melbourne Cup day. We decided we could hat it tonight. So my guests on Thriving Matters Studio for our Education Matters conversation. Uh, the beautiful, beautiful orange lass down the end there, Helen McDonald. How are you, Helen? I'm fabulous, Carrie. Happy Cup Day. Happy Cup Day to you. And, of course, the rose between the thorns is none other than Maurizio Vespa. So, Maurizio. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome, 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 everybody. Very colourful. I'm a bit trained in the middle, actually, but you're definitely very colourful. Ready for the okay. cup. You're fine. Now, um, I can tell you all that um, this is pretty uh, non-alcoholic. I've got soda and lemon. I think, Helen, you. what have you got in yours? I've got water. <laughs> Very good. We're all hydrating. High flyers here. Mine's water. I mean, I did bring along a little uh, a little espresso just in case. Oh, just in case you need that hit of caffeine, hey? <laughs> All right. We thought we'd have a little bit of fun. It's Melbourne Cup night, but more importantly, Love and wishes to everyone in Melbourne and Victoria. It's a very strange watching a, a an international horse race with nobody in the stands. So this has been a year of firsts. And uh, we also have a great conversation for you installed tonight. So we've just introduced Helen and Maurizio. So let's do a little bit about, and Maurizio, I'm going to start from the other end. So introducing Helen to you all. As you know, Thriving Matters Studio came out of um, a, a COVID response issue where we're talking about what it is that we're looking and have been noticing uh, about education, the way we are forming the minds and curiosity and all those beautiful things around education for our young people, what it is that we're noticing about our teachers, the way they have been absolutely amazing in their response to, to uh, the pandemic, but more importantly, what's the future going to be like? So our conversation tonight, listeners, is all about optimising the best outcomes. So let's tell you a little bit about Helen um, Helen Mack has just got her business back on track after a very tough six years of her life uh, when COVID hit this year. So, um, and you can see her vibrancy is is right there in front of us. So we're going to find out about that tonight. You know, the principles that got her through the illness of her husband and um, his his death after 30 years are pretty amazing, Helen. And I've got to say, what comes to mind is grit and gumption girl, uh, two old-fashioned terms that we, we often hear. But it's been a fundamental skill and a fundamental way that she's helped to reinvent herself. So we're hearing about something new in her business relationships and um, she's got a, an interesting project that she's uh, brought back to life, uh, the Great Trentham Spudfest. So... We just might be a little bit curious and ask about that. 
She now brings business owners together to connect and collaborate so they can optimise their outcomes. So mm. I thought, hello, Helen. <laughs> I thought, what a great pairing with Maurizio. Um, so Maurizio has been in education for a significant amount of his working life, uh, proven experience in management, leadership, consultancy, conflict resolution, not-for-profits, more importantly, he has a passion around restorative practices and the psychology behind that and um, um, looking at young people, the effects of trauma, the effects on their learning. So I think we have a great pairing tonight. So guys, say something, say hi, and just add something about yourself that I haven't done because you're going to do it much better than I am. Well, Carrie, um, uh, seeing as how you introduced me first, um, the thing for me about, about this conversation is that I think that education is a critical piece for us going forward. Not only have the teachers done and schools done an amazing job of supporting the kids, but a lot of I think a lot of parents have understood more about what yeah. their, the teachers and principals and, and all of the education support processes do on a year-by-year yeah. year basis. And so I'm really hoping that one of the outcomes from this pandemic is uh, more support in a way from some of the parents who perhaps thought that they could just kind of hand their kids over and that the, the education system would look after them um, in, in its entirety. So I'm really um, very optimistic, funnily enough, that tends to be my approach. <laughs> Um, about the, the the positive impact of this yeah. scenario, both on the teachers and uh, educators in general who've had to learn some different ways of doing things, and also on the parents who perhaps understand a bit more about what their children need, really need in education. Mm. Thank you, Helen. And um, we're going to come back to that word optimistic and, you know, how we could actually just shift that a little bit as well. So, it's going to be interesting because I have a I have a friend who says to me, but Carrie, you're an optimist. And I and she goes, but and I'm a realist. So I actually think that is a great conversation to have about how we view somebody else's attitude or the way that they show up. Mm -hmm. So Maurizio, I just I just love that cap there. You're really into uh, into the English racing carnival, aren't you? Really? Well, I could be riding a horse, but uh, unfortunately, um I'm standing up. I'm upright tonight. Yeah, but I I would agree with what uh, Helen was saying. I, I think um, in the last eight months we've learned a lot about um, ourselves, how we work. I think we've learned a lot about um, the impact of isolation, um, and I think the the critical factor that's come out of it is the fact that you know learning. Um, is ongoing, mm -hmm. and therefore there's a greater need now for even ourselves, even as adults, for us to in ensure that we are expanding our learning at the same time. So you know, whilst we're doing it with young kids and teenagers, we need to also think about ourselves because the nature of work is changing, um, employment is changing, how people are working is changing, mm. and we, can't, we can no longer say, well, this is how we used to do it. Um, we've now been placed in a situation where it's opened up a lot of ways of how we can do things. So I think there's been some really, really wonderful positives that have come out of a, out of a, a very um, impactful um, situation. Well, we're starting to see government response to, to the effect of people's wellbeing and employment opportunities. We'll have JobKeeper coming off around March next year. There's a whole lot of things that are impacting and as we go forward over over the Christmas break and the holiday break for our for our, our educators, um, 
you know, there'll be a lot of contemplation, but we'll have a lot of people looking at, okay, here are my skills. How can I actually use them and still continue to learn and adapt to a, to a new challenge? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that idea of whether you're an optimist or a realist, I think that's defunct because I think what really matters, um, and I'm going to open this up, is what the outcomes are of the way we see the world or how we um, interact in our relationships, what it is, what are those skills that we need. So let's move on to um, this word optimism and how, how Helen, you've got a particular view on optimism and that's that's your real sweet spot where you work. So tell us a little bit about this, this notion of optimism. What would you like to, us to think about it as? One of the things I'd like to to, uh, to educate your friend about is that uh, optimism, what I call functional optimism, has a very strong connection to reality. And the way that I um, express optimism or, or teach optimism to my clients is that it's not about um, la la, everything's wonderful in the world. It's a very realistic, grounded approach that looks at what's happening now, what would I like to happen, what's the uh, what is possible in this scenario, and then what's the best possible outcome? So optimism is is the the missing scenario in positive thinking. So the bit that's missing from positive thinking is the action imperative, and optimism has a built-in action imperative by the very definition of the word. So the optimi optimism, the word, comes from the the Latin optimus, which is the search for good. And the search for good in, in implies that you're looking that you're looking for best possible outcomes. And to get the best possible outcome, you have to start with a reality check. So when your friend next has a go at you for being an optimist and she's a realist, you say, yeah, that's fabulous. Uh, my optimism includes a first step, which is a reality check, because there's no point in heading off into the wide blue yonder going, la, 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 everything's going to be fine, mm. without checking where you are first. And Maurizio, I would imagine that in the work that you've been doing with um, with students around restorative practices, that's exactly what the basis of those practices are. Would I be wrong? No, no, no. I was just about to say that there's, there's, a, there's a wonderful synergy between what Helen was saying about optimism yeah. and, and it's about the actions and, and, and moving forward. It's not just about the thought. It's about the actual doing. And mm -hmm. in restorative practices, the reality is that um, I get what, Conflict will occur in the workplace. It will occur amongst people. We're, we're in a relational environment constantly, so conflict is inevitable. So what we mm -hmm. want to try and do is we want to try and turn those negative moments into positive outcomes. So it's about having a plan. So what are the actions? How, how do I go about repairing any hurt that may have happened through you know, um, an inappropriate decision or an action or, or whatever? So um, it's, it's then about bringing people together because, I mean, even in your work, um, Kerry, you talk about, you know, heart-centred leadership and relationships are really critical. Mm -hmm. So restorative practices builds on that concept of trying to remain connected and, and if we if that connection is broken, how do we, how can we, what are the, what's the process, what are the steps? Yeah. I, I love that distinction, uh, Maurizio, between um, positive outcomes and positive um, actions which are different to positive thinking. Mm. So positive thinking is thinking everything's going to be okay. Without yeah. positive action towards the positive outcome, then it's just a feel-good factor. Yeah. We need to do something. Relationships are not going to heal themselves. Conflict yeah. is not going to be resolved just by hoping. Hope is not a strategy. You need to do something. 
No, I agree, totally. Yeah. So these, would you classify these as capabilities or competencies that we're, we're moving towards because what we've been living through has affected us emotionally, affected our relationships, affected the way we've responded to each other under stress? Do you think that's a fair... Where would, you, where would you fit restorative practices in that model, Aditya? Well, um, I mean, in restorative practices, I always say that, as I said, relationships are critical. And I think the current situation that we have experienced and are, is, are still experiencing by all means um, highlights the importance of um, how critical it is for us to remain connected, mm. having networks. In fact, tapping into coaching mentors who who will bring who will bring us off and out of that isolation and give us also some creative ideas you know ways of moving forward you know what a, if, if i feel stuck and i don't have the actions mm. then sometimes bouncing it off somebody mm. can give me those actions now i guess there's that wonderful um african saying ubuntu mm. you know yes. i am i am because of who we are. I exist, I become fully human when I am in connection. So when relationships break down, we need to repair them. When professional relationships break down, we need to repair them. And sometimes we need experts, professionals like yourselves, that that help us in what what's the process? What are the steps? How do I go about this? Help me plan this out. And I think the other the other piece, I mean, what you, you tap into there in terms of Carrie's question about, you know, what are the capabilities, competencies, skills that people are going to need going forward, whether they are uh, deeply embedded in education in the sense of, uh, you know, students, teachers, principals and so on, or whether they are leaders in education, in adult learning, in the corporate sense, wherever they are. Mm. The comp one of the competencies and capabilities is exactly what you're talking about, Maurizio, the ability to connect, the ability to maintain and build relationships yeah. and the ability to repair those relationships when they get lost or get off track. I think the other piece that has been shown is this idea of optimism, resilience and ability to keep lifting yourself through tough times. You know, we're not at the other end of this thing yet and there are still challenges. You look internationally, my heart is just breaking for Europe and, and in um, England and Europe at the moment, Britain and Europe at the moment with what they're going through. You know, we are starting to lift ourselves up and the things, one of the things that I think one of the skill sets that we've learned um, or have been uh, forced into learning is around the optimism, resilience and learning about your strengths and very importantly, and you touched mm. on this before, Maurizio, reaching out when you're struggling, whether that's whether you're struggling with a relationship, with a, with some kind of connection or just with getting by when things are tough, that we don't have to do this alone. In yeah. fact, it's much better if we don't. Yeah, now, I was listening to something um, earlier this week and it was just talking about we don't have to change everything if in, in the way we react or think. If we just change 1%. Yeah of a way that we, we think about something or, or we do it, um, it can often make a difference. It's that small. So we talk about small steps. So for our young people, um, a small step, for our parents, for our teachers, for our for our educational leaders, wherever they are, whether they're in businesses, in, the, in corporations, organisations, whether they're in schools or our traditional view of, of education is that it belongs in schools when in actual fact now we're we're learning across all social me, um, media platforms mm -hmm. we're learning through a variety of ways 
So it's that little 1% that we can change that I think is one of those little gems that we can just store, uh, can actually can level us and calm us into thinking more broadly. So broaden out our thinking, as Barbara Fredrickson would help you. Lovely thing is that it gives you permission to not have to decide on a big step. Yes. So one of the things that I teach is that um, any direction is better than none and even a baby step will get you into momentum and once you're in momentum, then the universe will give, depending on what mm. your belief system is, the universe will give you feedback. It'll either say, good job, take another one. It'll go, whoa, no, don't do that. Either way, take a baby step, look for feedback. Did that, How did that feel? Did that work? Yeah. Get the response and then take another one you don't have to leap forward you can actually just step one tiny wee step at a time i'm guessing that in restorative practice that's also true Maurizio. well i mean i i i was just trying to listen and tap into things that both of you have actually said so and i agree with you that one percent of change really makes a difference you know I, in conversation with my wife she often says if we as adults make a slight change to how we behave, we will have a, a huge impact on how our ch own children will respond and behave. Situations. So kids kids are going to be very um, aware of how adults are responding to the current situation. So if we make a small adjustment, if yeah. we, we actually show that we're learning new things and we have to because, you know, we've been forced into a real uh, technological sort of space at the moment. Mm. So we need, we need, um, not only the technology in terms of hardware, but we also need the resources. And the resources isn't just software. The resources are actually people who can mm. actually um, share yep. with us their learnings yep. about how we use things. The classroom, for example, I mean, we still have classrooms that in some cases are a little bit medieval in terms yes. of how we set them up. So we now have to think about how do we bring the learning to today's child who has the internet exposed to them? You know, um, how, do we, how do we provide them with, career readiness um, because that's what they're concerned about they're concerned about careers and they're concerned about holistic development and that's emotional yeah. intelligence as well as you know um intellectual intelligence you know having the skills to do things um, yeah. so yeah there's a well i mean there's a lot we can talk about here this is a wonderful sort of you know and, and it's a mixing pot isn't it <laughs> the thing that you're talking about Maurizio, is also true that we now have in in australia we have a group of children, particularly in Victoria where I'm living, we have a group of school children, some of whom have spent half of this year not yep. in the classroom. So for um, the education system to go, oh, that's okay, we'll just throw them back into the classrooms like they were before, there's going to be challenges for kids mm -hmm. who go, um, why, why do I have to sit at this desk in this corner and do this thing at the same time as everyone else? I think that's what I was talking about before. Yeah. I think we've got a yeah. great opportunity and more um, software than we've ever had before in terms of computer work. What we need to make sure is we're using the software inside our, our skulls to yeah. get a possible outcome for people. No, very true. Well, the learning design is critical, isn't it? And that's it, it comes down no, no matter what we do, the design of the learning is 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 needs to be considered. Mm -hmm. Maurizio, I was going to ask you: Do you um, can you give us a little? A snapshot of what a restorative practice um, might look like. We've we've got a whole audience here. We've got some parents. We've probably got some teachers. Most teachers would probably know about uh, restorative practices, um, but there'd be others who don't. So I was thinking this was a good opportunity because we would have some people who don't don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, it's all about 
repairing relationship when there's been hurt or damaged. So a critical part of restorative practices is the language and the tonality and, and the dialogue. It's all about dialogue and it's about reflective dialogue rather than interrogative dialogue. Okay. So, so it's, it's about a discussion. So when things, you know, when things fall off the wagon, it's about sitting down and saying, well, you know, let's talk about one, what's happened. And, you know, how's it affected people? How's it affected you? Um, what can we do to make the situation better? And when we ask those kind of questions like how, what can we do to make the situation better, how do we repair this, then it's about also the adult being, um, how can I say, the wise the wise person who can actually share some strategies and some skills so that the child goes away wow. with some, some tools. And then it's also about having a conversation around, well, if you find yourself in the same situation in the future, what could you do differently? Mm. You know, um, you know, you responded in this way out of anger. When you feel angry, what is it that you could do? Mm. Who can you go and talk to? Who can you connect with? So it, okay. it, it's wonderful with students, but it has great applications also in the workplace. Mm. You know, rather than being a, a boss that actually chastises your employee, sit down. You know, let's work things out because it's quite possible that they may not have known how to do something. Here's a great opportunity for a teachable moment for a child, adult, great relationships, and you can actually build up people's skills. And when you've got role models, your leaders or the, the workplace that you have or the school that you have where you're, you know the lead, that's how the leaders behave, mm. fairly regularly, you know, um, that becomes the way that your culture um, builds and that becomes how how you're known for for caring and respecting and connecting with people. So your relationships are are rich and and any issues, you've got the processes to be able to to uh, use mm. to help help support them. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So you, Maurizio, over over the over the years, you you'd have a fair bit of experience working with young people and uh, with adults. Have you been noticing anything this year that you would say we need to really take notice of? Because we've been in a very different situation. Yeah. I think we started earlier. I think Alan also mentioned it as well about, you know, about having a plan, having an action, being able to do something. And I mm -hmm. think that's really important. As I said, I think we've learnt that as human beings, we are hardwired to connect. So connection is important. So and our building the networks is wonderful and being open to learning is really critical. And even, you know, upskilling ourselves, you know, I mean, mm. there are things that I'm having to learn all the time because <laughs> of the environment where I have to. Um, mm. and not only do I have to, but I need to because mm. it allows me to, to still remain connected to, to, to um, my networks and it allows me to main, remain connected to technology and advances and so on. So it helps my work. Possible yeah. social, um, you know, but I, I, I would, I would sort of follow on with what Helen was saying. You know, it's, it's critical to have a plan, you know, and 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 something that's tangible, mm. that's realistic, practical, and you know can be achieved. Mm. So I think we're really talking about essential skills that will take that are future focused because that's what you're talking about. Uh, you know, how can we apply these to the to the next incident or how we interact with others? So we're we're looking at the future focus. So Helen, I was going to say to you, have you got some strategies around um, optimizing the outcomes that we're doing, whether we're a young person, whether we're we're an adult, that we can optimize 
the best relationships for the workplace. Um, for I mean, that's very general. So I'm putting you right on the spot, but you've probably got some really dynamic little strategies that, that can be useful. Would you like to share some of those? Sure. sure. I think the future focus piece is critical, Carrie, and I love that that's where your focus is, that uh, we need to not re repeat the past. We need to be looking at, at what's going what's going to take us forward. Um, I think in terms of if I was to look at optimising outcomes for relationships, I think I have, I have three main principles that I teach um, regardless of whether it's for a task or for a group of people or for a relationship. Yeah. And the first, so it's clarity, momentum and mindset. And the clarity piece is whatever, and, and this taps into what Maurizio has been talking about, um, whatever, if you want to improve a relationship or an outcome, get really clear about what it is that you want and make sure that all the parties involved, so if it's two people in a relationship or a group of people in a team, that everyone's crystal clear about your expectations and about what they might need to do, the action they might need to take to get the outcome. So there's a whole heap of stuff around clarity, but if whenever you approach a task, you're looking at what's the outcome that I want, get crystal clear about that, then everything else will sort of um, support your movement forward with that clarity as your first step. The second piece is momentum. And that's going back to our baby steps or our yeah. tiny little changes. Because if we can get into momentum in the direction with which we want to um, end up, up the optimised outcome, the ultimate outcome, then again, whether it's fixing a relationship, if all you can do in the first conversation is improve it a tiny bit so that the next conversation okay. is a little bit better. So maintain the momentum. And if you're trying to heal a relationship or if you're trying to fix a team or if you're trying to get something done, making um, taking advantage of that, maintaining that momentum, the universe um, rewards movement. Um, if you're stagnant, it's really hard to make any movement in any direction. So regardless of how successful the first baby attempt was, Okay. Work on that, build on that and keep moving forward. And then the third piece is mindset, which is around, of course, taking an optimistic approach to everything and maximising the outcomes by maintaining your mindset. And there are, a new, there are numerous ways in which you can do this. One of the things to think about at the moment for, depending on where you are in Australia, and, and perhaps around the world, your um, ability to use the usual mindset techniques may be being impacted by restrictions that operate in your world. So in Australia, if you're in Queensland or New South Wales or Victoria or WA or they say wherever you are in, the, in Australia, the limitations that you have on the things that you can do vary. So some of us in Victoria, for example, are going to need to be a little more creative about the way that we maintain our mindset. Our connections might need to be more virtual. You know, we have these lovely virtual presentations, Carrie, that you've invited us to tonight. You can apply the same principles to your one-to-one um, -one relationships, yeah. to your your relationships with other couples over the restriction time in Victoria um, I've had zoom birthday parties uh, zoom dinner parties zoom yep. cocktail parties and I even got married in the pandemic on you zoom did. so so um, we can't need to make sure in maintaining our mindset that we don't allow external restrictions to impact on our ability to keep ourselves um, yeah. uplifted um, and there, there's a you know a number of things you can do to do that I, I'm, yeah. I'm always very happy to share with those with people so um, if any of your friends or, or listeners need some help with that by all means seek me out I'm more than happy to share with you a lot of my ideas and and as at the end of each session we always share our details if you'd like to get in contact with either Helen 
or Maurizio for, for their areas of expertise, because um, they're very generous in um, being part of the conversation tonight. You know, I couldn't help but thinking, um, as you was both of you were talking, that these really are the skills, part of the package of skills that we need for a future that's totally uncertain at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, we've now got another, as of Thursday, uh, London will be closed down again. Mm. Um, we have an election imminent in the United States. And do you know today that the betting market in Australia, uh, uh, the figures, their statistics on how, how many people have been betting on the Melbourne Cup today, which usually is massive, the statistics are that there has been more money put on the American election outcome than there was on the Melbourne Cup today. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was fascinated by that. Something, yeah. something, something I read earlier today that, that the Melbourne Cup is the, you know, the race that stops the nation and, um, you know, I still think it's hilarious that we have a holiday for it in Victoria. Anyway, yeah. um, but um, but the race on the other side of the world, the one that's going to be decided to effectively tomorrow, um, yeah. our time, is uh, is actually a race that is really going to have an impact across the globe. And so I'm unsurprised that people are, given that Australians do have a bit of a habit of being happy to bet on two flies running up a wall, um, it's no surprise to me that, that we're betting. And and wouldn't it be great if if somehow we could create a, a, a force that uh, helped us get an outcome that's yeah. going to benefit the planet? I think uh, everyone in in education and in all parts of the world are looking at, at America at the moment and thinking, well, wow, you know, what, what's the outcome going to be? I, I, I'm fairly sure that we're not going to know tomorrow, but um, we'll see. Um, it's, I, the other thing I read today was uh, this whole, um, you know, you're asking, uh, Carrie, about, you know, what are the skills of the future? If we go yep. way, way back, there was a, a misquote um, that of Darwin that he used, that he said, you know, the, the, survival of the fittest he didn't what he talked about was that the species that are most is most likely to survive is the one that is that has the greatest ability to adapt exactly. and adjust to their changing environment yeah, exactly. and i think if of all the skills that we're talking about the ones that maurizio are talking is talking about in terms of repairing relationships the things that i talk about optimizing outcomes it's about adjusting and if we could do one, if we could teach the children who are coming through the education system just one thing, and that is that change happens mm -hmm. and that your ability to adjust, adapt and, and, and make, make that change fit into your life, that's the skill that we need more than anything else as we go forward. And, and, and I agree with you. I think, I think young people are actually looking at how adults are currently responding mm -hmm. to the situation that we're in. And, mm. and to give some really good credit to teachers, I think teachers have done a remarkable, school leaders and, you know, in general, organisations have done a really wonderful job to to manage the situation. I mean, they've, it's always been seamless. And I know people, people have lost jobs, though, and I know that there's some insecurities. But, you know, when we're talking about, if we're going to talk about education, I think teachers have done a really remarkable job. Mm. They're innovative. I certainly see a lot of networking taking place a lot of shared resources, which I think is fantastic. And I actually think that they're really looking at what's the classroom looking like now? And I think they have a very different perception of the classroom. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they bring about the change to what learning is going to be like in the future. And I think that'll be fantastic. So, you know, I've been out of the classroom for 20 years now, but I, my, my connection to the classroom is, you know, setting up schools for kids with mental health and so on. 
and mm. or, or youth and family counseling focuses but you know they're there they're, yeah. they're in the day-to-day -day stuff so they know what's needed what the trend is um, mm. what we cannot overlook though is we must make sure though that it's equitable that, that the, the kids who are in that lower socioeconomic sort of area are able to have access to the resources so that's laptops computers the internet because that's going to stop them from engaging and mm -hmm. in fact, there's a study that shows that kids from lower economic backgrounds are less likely to find um, online learning as effective as as those who are actually coming from higher um higher how can i say socioeconomic sort of backgrounds so um it's really quite interesting they have less access don't they to both the 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 up-to-date equipment and the, right. the you know the um endless broadband and all that sort of thing um yeah. I, have a, I have a friend who who's uh, part of his business is uh, he runs a broadband uh, service and part of his business is philanthropically providing internet uh. to families who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it and i just love that concept and i think you're right the two things that i love about what you just said maritio one is Oh my goodness! Haven't the teachers done the most amazing job of adapting? Uh, I've got a number of mates who are still in the teaching, and they have worked so hard to yep. work to keep their students uh, in connected and and yep. engaged and learning in this incredibly difficult environment. Um, praise also to a, a lot of the parents that I know who have just done the most remarkable things to create an environment where their kids mm. are able to. Uh, pay attention and learn and, and supporting them you know in the breaks by making sure they stretch and move and all of those sorts of things mm. um, and then and then the other piece is that we really do need to make sure that we are continually applying pressure to the people who are making decisions about yes. allocation yeah. of resources mm. to make sure that, that both the principals the teachers all of the other people in the education system and the parents and students are supported with the resources they need and this and the uh, infrastructure that they need going forward. Yeah, agree. Well, I that's a great segue because I was just uh, I was thinking through, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, leadership shouldn't be seen if if we're leading communities, it shouldn't be seen as a political exercise, mm. even though it is highly political in the in the way that we've set this up. So if we go back to the values, beliefs, and assumptions that underpin leadership, it's not about it's not an it. It's actually about the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's about how you work through the demands, the challenges of the of the role, of the job, of the people that you're working with, and uh, you actually catch yourself doing a bit of action research at the same time, because it's a, it's like a we're living in a case study each time we we move into something new or we have a different situation that we've always, you know, from what we are used to and mm. we have to find new ways to uh, respond to that. So I uh, I think we, we really need to take into account who's in the conversation mm. about uh, the future of education, how it's going to go, because I have a feeling that globally around um, the world there are various ways now that education is accessed by huge populations of people, uh, huge numbers of, of students, and not all of them um, have money to pay for, for school fees. So they are accessing education um, through, through other methods. There's a report out that I um, came across by IDEO that was released in August 2020 this year, and it talks um, scenarios. And one of the scenarios is about the different types of community 
education that mm -hmm. are that are already in play, where you've got community members who are all ages who will come in and do volunteer mm -hmm. education like that. You've got kids learning music outside of a school and um, a school situation as we know it here in Australia. Um, it's 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 the community that does it. There's a there's a roster system for for various things. I mean there's just some amazing things going on. And I think we've all got stories of generosity mm. and philanthropic interest and outreach as well during this time that um, our education communities uh, have been watching, have been experiencing as well. Mm. Yeah, so, that carries that. Um, it's what I asked, said before is that we need to learn to ask and I think the schools also need to learn to reach outside their fences uh, and look for the people in the community who won't step forward because they don't feel they should, could, whatever, um, and have a look at some of the groups in the community. The primary school just up the road from me has started uh, taking advantage of the aged care facility that is just across the road um, to help with reading practice. So yeah. some of the elderly there, um, they're, they're not um, infirm, they're just unable to look after themselves at home 100%. So, you know, helping the kids with reading practice, a single teacher, that's really, really hard. A bunch of seniors be, have, who have, uh, you need to choose the patient ones, um, but will happily sit and listen to kids read. We, schools need to continue to reach out like they have had to do through the pandemic. Oh my goodness, all our parents are going to have to help us. When mm. the schools and, and education system needs to remember to keep asking the community because there are some very generous souls out there. Yeah, we, we're very um, uh, we're used to being in our place, having a role, oh. having a label, having a place where something's done. And I think that's been blown part mm -hmm. because you know there's that beautiful quote you know the whole village educates the child and I think we've had a I've had we've had a tip round and a number of other conversations on a Tuesday night have actually acknowledged there that there's been a whole tip of community and really that's what when we look at what's really taking up people's hearts and their passions at the moment and their desires for a better world it's around respect equity Mm. you know, uh, diversity of opinion, uh, you know, being able to, to come together. So we've got some great, great ideas. And our young, our, I think the minds of our young people are concerned with exactly that. Mm. You, you have to listen. My One of my grandsons, four years old, said to me a little while ago, he said, Karima, I can't kiss you. I can't hug you because you're old. <laughs> And, and then because his mother goes, what? Oh, no, what did you say to him? And then he said, until the germ goes, until yeah. the germ goes. Bless. So we've had it this staged, you know, uh, and now, you know, he's got a little ear infection at the moment. And I said to him the other day, come here, I need to talk to that your ears to tell them it's time to let that infection go so you can you can hear better. And he looked at me and he said, oh, Oh, I've I've got I've got an ear infection and I've got the drops too. And he said, but it's not good. It's not good. Bless his soul. And the reason the reason I share that with you uh, is because we discount.
the social and emotional development of our kids as important. It's seen as soft. Mm. And what we're talking about are our essential skills that really are, are crucial. They are crucial to a future that is going to be bumpy. It's going to be the big dipper ride as far as I can work out. Um, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think most of us realise that things, yes, we have to be a little bit more adaptable um, than we have been in the future. Is that, you know, when we're talking about, you know, um, relationship, it's, also, it's about, you know, how do I, as, as in my interaction with other, how do I make them feel safe? You know, is my is my uh, language respectful and dignified in in my conversations with them? Um, is there a predictability in my mm. uh, personality? Mm. Um, you know, it, the similar ingredients is that we sort of highlight when we're talking about a trauma informed care approach. So I, I actually think that as a, as leaders, even you know, in leadership, it's about mm. um, how do you how do you translate that through your actions and through your being with staff. How do you surround yourself with staff that um, are willing to, you know, be uh, given tasks to, to delegate? Because I actually believe that schools have some wonderful creative teachers mm. who often don't get, you know, tapped on the shoulder and and, tell, and show, ask, could you show that for us? You've mm. done this. Can you share yeah. that with us? And I think yeah. we need to look internal as well as external. So mm. there's got to be a nice balance. Um, and I've seen schools that have done that really, really well because the leadership has allowed that to happen, mm. it's, you know, because power is power with is far more effective than power over. Mm. Yeah, that's critical. Really, really nice distinction, Maurizio. In in all of the organisational work that I do, small business, large business, um, education business, whatever, I often say to the leader or leaders. The answers to your problems are probably somewhere in your organisation. You have just haven't found that person or asked enough people. Yeah. And that's about voice, isn't it? That's about inclusion and voice yeah. and and realising that together yeah. we actually have the answers. Mm. We have we, we can find different options and, and and if we don't fail at something, we're not learning, right? So that's good. That's you know that's we've right. got to We've we've got to fail. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation tonight. We've we've sort of done the we've done the movement around and and around, but we've got I've I've heard some great skills, some new thoughts and awareness around what it is that we could do collectively, mm. not just leave it up to certain people to make the decisions. So to, so to actually build our voice. Our thriving um, isn't isn't easy. The way I, I see things, it's it's about the way we can manage the way we see it, and where those one percent or those small steps are that we can that we have power over and that we can actually put into place. Um, so, Helen, if if anyone would like to contact you for further uh, conversation or to see the type of work that you do, get to know you a little bit better, what's your best contact? The easiest one is my website, which is simply helenmack.com. 
so nice and easy to to remember. I'm on LinkedIn as Helen Mack, um, and uh, I'm you know, on all the usual channels. I'm on Facebook, which we're uh, streaming out on tonight. Uh, I'm Helen Mack Team Optimization. So if you look up Helen Mack, you might find me. But um, if you look yep. up Optimization, you'll find me. I'd love to have a conversation with any of your listeners who'd like to optimize their outcomes. And on my website, you can book a time to do that, or you can uh, also download some free resources. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Maurizio? Very similar, actually. Um, I have a website. It's mauriziovespa.com. You might get a few Vespa scooters that might appear in your <laughs> store. You, know, you can't do anything. But when you've got a name like Vespa, you're bound to get a few um, of those sorts of things. But that, that's probably the best way. And, look, I'm always open to working with, you know, schools, organisations, um, social service organisations in particular as well. So, um Look, it's been wonderful actually meeting you, Helen. And yes, working great. Harry, thanks very much for bringing us together. I really had a great time. Even with the hat. Now I've got hat hair. So, you know. <laughs> We've all got hat hair. That's why you leave them on. Once you don't want to have hat hair. Chloe, thank you so much for the opportunity to meet Maurizio in the chat and to share with your audience. It's been just lovely. And I was just thinking, you were talking about thriving. And I think thriving and learning have a lot in common. They're both journeys, mm. not destinations. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Helen. That's a great way to bring it all together for us. Listeners, great to have your company tonight. And uh, as we do, we actually put this on our podcast as well, the Thriving Matters podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what I do, carrybenedep.com, carry a bag. It's easy to remember, C-A-R-R-I-E. Um, you know me, we'll always have an enlightening conversation we're here all about you. Your thriving is precious, and so is the thriving of your families, your workmates, whoever it is that you know, your neighbours. We all are in this together. So let's uh, flap our wings and make a little bit of a ripple that goes around the globe, uh, wishing everybody the best way to thrive during um, the pandemic and what and what is next to happen we don't know um but over to you thanks everybody for your company thank you helen thank you maurizio it's been del absolute delight i'm carrie benedette and this is my podcast thriving matters